View, what's up? How are we doing tonight? We okay? Awesome. Glad y'all are in the building. Uh, listen, real quick before we get started, I just want to uh, talk about something really fast. It's not going to take long. Uh, Madison mentioned it. It's watch parties coming up on March 11th. How many of you guys are in college and have spring break on March 11th? Anybody? Make some noise if that's you. So we know how loud you are, okay? Uh, so check this out. Um, check this out, because this is important. We say this a lot, and I wish they would change that video. I'm tired of saying the church don't have a church, the church is not a church. I'm fine with That's fine. That's great. Uh, just so y'all know, I did not put that in a video. I try to get that out every time. Okay. Um, but, but it's real, and not only do we say that, we believe that, right? So, like, church doesn't just happen on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings when you come and check out the 11 o'clock service. We believe that, that church is something that takes place in people, right? The body of Christ is not a building. The body of Christ is just that. It's people. You guys are the church. So we love to intentionally give you opportunities to go outside these four walls and be the church. March 11 is that opportunity. So spring break, right? Everybody's going to be getting crazy. Uh, not if you are at view, though, right? Okay. Um, everybody else is going to be getting crazy, right? Uh, what if you took your Wednesday night where you usually would be here? Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're at the Carib. I don't know where it is you're going to be going. Uh, but what if you just took your Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, the, the, the minute we release it online, you gather together with some friends and y'all talked about Jesus for a few minutes. Because check this out. We haven't even told you about this, and my creative team is going to be upset that I'm releasing the cat out of the bag. I don't really care. Okay? The series is going to be called Why God. The first week of it is going to be called Why God Exists. What we're going to do, and this is something that's not just for lost people, but this is for saved people too, because I know so many Christians that don't know how to defend their faith. So many people are like, I, I believe in God. Well, why? Well, because uh, Kanye's a Christian now, right? But we want to we open up the conversation. This is, again, this is a conversation that Christians really don't have, right? It's like, who, why would a pastor talk about God not existing? Well, because there's a lot of people that don't think he exists. We want to bring the gospel to them. So not only do we want to encourage you and give you some tools in your bag when you start to doubt your faith and go, no, 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 this thing is real. We want to give you the opportunity to defend your faith. We also want, because here's what we know. If you're truly atheist, it's really going to be tough to get you at view, right? But it's not going to be tough to get them in your living room. Yo, come have this convo with me. It's going to be crazy. Come be a part of this watch party with me. We're going to feed you, watch a quick video. You don't even have to like it. Just come. So much easier to get people to that then the, hey, come here, my pastor and my church, because I'm, yeah, yeah, a Christian. And they're going to be like, wait, no, nah, see ya, okay. But this could be the open door somebody needs to introduce them to the gospel. Pastor Trey's been talking about your one this whole uh, year so far in 2020. He said, who's your one? Who's the one person you're going to lead to Christ? For view, that challenge is still here. Everybody in here, imagine if everybody in here led one person to Jesus in 2020. Watch parties could be how you start. Amen? Anybody else with me? Anybody excited about bringing the gospel to a broken world? So let's do this. It's going to be incredible. Next week, our small groups are going to be available for you to sign up. Do this watch party with some people. You don't have to do this alone. And we're going to spend uh, view March 11th together 
in homes. Well, we've been in this series for a week. This is our second week. Uh, last week, Pastor Dale brought a word. It was a banger, okay? Uh, the, the whole thing with the, uh, the trapeze artist, I mean, that caught me, okay? Um, anybody enjoy last week? It was last week not awesome. Thank you, Pastor Dale. I've got some free merch coming your way if you're listening to this podcast, okay? Um, but he did awesome opening up this idea of all of us being in process, where he talked about progress. And he said, look, look, we're never finished, right? God's always going to be doing things in us. I want to take that a step further. And in week two, I want to expound on this idea of what it looks like to become like Jesus. I want to talk about the process that it requires if you're going to become like Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles uh, right now, can you really fast uh, open up to uh, Colossians and let's start in chapter three. Let's start in verse one and we'll go from there. Okay, real quick. Colossians chapter three, verse one. If you don't have it, we'll put it up on the screen. All right, so check this out. Uh, and, and it's important that you understand what's happening here, okay? So in Colossians chapter 3, uh, the writer, the author of this book, his name is the Apostle Paul, okay? And uh, the cool thing about this book is that, that Paul, the guy writing it, is actually writing to a people group he had never met. It's important that you understand this because what you need to realize is that these instructions he's giving them is as if they know nothing of his teachings. He is just illustrating what it looks like to live out the gospel, Okay? So it's important that you catch that. So let's read chapter 3, verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. That's important that you catch this one thing. He says, as a result. So since you have been raised, some translations say, if. And it's not as much a question as it is a command. He's like, yo, since if you have been raised with Christ, do this one thing. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Then he, he reiterates, because if you read the Bible, what you'll notice is that interchangeably hearts and minds are used to mean the same thing, right? So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, put to death. This is important. Again, the first thing he, he says to do is set your mind, set your heart on things where? Below? No? Where, where does he say set your things where? Above. Come on, somebody talk to me. He says set your, set your mind, your hearts on what? Things what? Come on. He said set your mind on things what? Then he says and put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Then he continues and says this. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Check this out. He slows down. I don't know if he did. I'm just preaching for him. Okay. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. He gets real intense. He says, anger. He points his finger like this. Rage. He's in a hardcore band. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> then he grabs a mic like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Malice, slander, and filthy language. Somebody say stop cussing. From your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on this new self 
which is being renewed. Everybody remember Romans chapter 12, verse 2? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be you what? By the what? Renewing. He brings that word back. He brings it back. He says, yo. He also says it in 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, you are new what? New, that word new seems to be popular with Paul. He says, you're being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Your new body is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of his creator. See, see Paul understands this process of became, becoming like Jesus. And, and this passage of scripture, Colossians chapter 3, is integral to understanding what our walk with Jesus should look like. Because here's what I know. I've been doing this for a few years. I've been a pastor for a few years. I think there's a lot of people that make decisions to follow Jesus, but let their last yes be their first one. <laughs> they let their last yes be their, be their, they let their first yes be their last one. What, what, what I mean by that is they say yes to Jesus, and that's the only thing that they say yes to. And they wonder why their life is consistently unfulfilled and why they keep going back to the same stuff they were supposed to be freed from. Well, we're going to talk about why that is tonight. And we're going to talk about the process of getting free from that. Okay? Anybody excited about some little, a little heart surgery tonight? Are you okay? You brought your tissues, right? Hopefully we're going to laugh more than we cry. Okay, let's just do this. Is all, everything's good tonight, okay? It's not going to be one of those messages. Well, I don't know. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask that uh, as we reimagine this idea of what it means to be still loading, still in process, God, I pray that you lay upon our hearts honesty, transparency, and God, give us grace as we walk this process of becoming more like you. It's not easy, Jesus, but we do it because we love you. Bless you. God, we love you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Father. Everybody said, hey, but any, uh, real quick, anybody know anybody uh, that you follow on social media uh, that's fake famous? Anybody know any fake famous people? Okay, some of y'all are laughing, so maybe you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Girls, can I talk to the ladies right now? Ladies, where you at? Ladies, where you at? Say, hey. <laughs> Y'all know anybody, any friends you follow that, like, have 1,200 followers, but they're a blogger? You know what I'm talking about? Like, fake famous? They're like, <laughs> they post on their story something like, um, so, uh, everybody's been asking me. I've had at least 10 to 12 people ask me. Maybe, like, 15, 16 people ask me. 17, 18 people. 19, 20, 20, 21 people have asked me where I've got this bedspread. So... Walmart. It's, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> this is how you can achieve this aesthetic on a budget? You know <laughs> or they're like, hey, click the link to my like to know it. <laughs> You're like, you have 400 followers. No one likes to know nothing. <laughs> or, or you know somebody that you graduated high school with and like they've been a rapper, a welder. <laughs> they worked at Journeys. <laughs> But now they're a rapper, and they want you to buy their mixtape. And like, they, like their stories, they always address you as, hey, to all my family out there, they've been following and keeping up with me. My album drops next week. 
Nobody's been, I followed you because we were in eighth grade science, not because I wanted to hear your music. Like what? Or, or, or this is the best one. This is the best one. Okay, okay, okay. You know those people that like turn on their live stories and they're like, okay, so we're just going to wait a couple more minutes. <laughs> if you got to wait a couple minutes for people to join your live story, you're fake famous, okay? <laughs> they're like ambassadors for the most obscure things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you ever heard of Colonial Shoes. I'm an ambassador. Use my code, <laughs> my discount. <laughs> no, no fake fame. That's just a real thing. Let's just be honest about our Instagram following. But I, think, I think our culture is obsessed with this idea, right, of, of what it would be like if we were, like, everybody wants to be Kim Kardashian. Everybody wants to be a blogger. Uh, everybody wants to be a rapper. It's like, I want to be famous, I think, I think the issue there is not in wanting to be something great. Because here's the truth. When people do that, the majority of people that, there's some people that do that honestly. And I'm not making fun of you guys. Well, maybe a little bit. But like the, the people that do that, there, there's two different types of people that try to do that. There's one type of people that like honestly want to do that for a living because they genuinely like some of that stuff. They like the grind. They like what it looks like. But then there's some people that just like what the end result looks like. They like a lot of followers. They like a lot of people knowing their name. They like a lot of money. What do we say to the famous people, especially in the music industry? Oh, you finally made it. As if there's a such thing. Our culture's so obsessed with finished products. And we do whatever we can to look like it. We dress like it. We post like it. So that everybody can think we've got it all together. I don't have anything else to work on. Guess what? I'm a finished product. And I think that this oftentimes seeps into our walk with Christ. Because what we believe is that there's such thing in this life as a finished product. We make a decision to follow Jesus. That's our first yes. And then we wonder, because we don't say yes again, why in the world I still look like I did when I wasn't saved? We make a decision to follow Jesus and nothing changes. We wonder, we wonder why our soul is the same. And then we ask ourselves, well, maybe, maybe that decision wasn't real. Or we're taking a step further. Maybe Jesus isn't real. If I don't feel different, I should feel different. The reason why is because we're so obsessed with the finished product. But if we look at what Paul is saying here, what he's trying uh, to, to, to make us understand is that, is that your soul is never going to change as fast as your mind did. What do I mean by that? When you stopped living like the world or at least made the decision to live like the world, something changed in your mind. And you said, I, I, I'm going to fall in love with Jesus. I, I want to respond to this message. Or maybe your friend led you to Jesus. Or maybe you were watching an Instagram sermon. I don't know how you came to the Lord, but I know at some point your mind has to switch from what you were to what you wanted to become. And then your mind switched, and then you were upset. Why? Because your soul didn't change as fast as your mind. Here's the truth, young people. Following Jesus takes a moment, but it requires a lifetime. Following G, falling in love with Jesus, following Christ takes a moment, but it's going to require from you a lifetime. You don't make it. There's no such thing as finished products until Jesus comes back and says, you know, what? I'm going to complete this. So listen to me. If you're still breathing, God's still working. 
And this process, if you look at the, 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 the scriptures, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit theology heavy on you real quick, but that's okay. Y'all are smart people. Everybody's in college or out of college. You, you, you got a couple of things going for you, okay? But the word that the Bible talks about when, it, when we refer to this process is called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Yeah, okay. Some of y'all struggles. You're like, sanctification. Sanctification. What they said. Okay. The Bible calls it sanctification. It's the process of becoming like Jesus. Actually, uh, quite literally, it's translated set apart or to consecrate. To set apart. I know those are some like Old Testament words. You're like, Pastor Jared, I only know about grace and mercy. What is set apart and consecrated? I'm going to teach you something tonight, okay? Everybody who makes a decision to follow Jesus, the next step you're supposed to take until the end of your life is this middle process called sanctification. It's the, the idea that consistently throughout your life, you'll, you'll be uh, continuously worked and changed and developed as you become like Jesus. That process is called sanctification. And that's really what we're going to talk about tonight because this idea of still loading, that's just a, a really Instagrammable way to say sanctification, Okay. We're never going to make it. We're always in process. And that process of becoming like Jesus, this, this is what it looks like. Pastor Dale said this uh, last week. He said, progress over perfection. Remember when he said that? Progress over perfection. I'll take it a step further, a step even deeper. Uh, tonight is about process over per perfection. Tonight's about process over perfection. Okay? So let's look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says this. I love what it says. It says, for by one sacrifice he has made and that he is Jesus. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's a confusing verse, okay? I don't know if you caught that. But the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross and he made perfect. In one moment, all the people who are right now still being made holy. I, I always scratch my head when I read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, because I'm like, how in the world can Jesus make people perfect when they're still being made perfect? Read that scripture. One, just think about it. Read it for a second. I'm going to give you like 12 seconds to read it and think about it. One, two. It's confusing though, right? Like, how, are you, how, did, how did this happen? Well, what you have to realize is that Jesus is talking about the moment you make a decision to follow him and then the moments following. Because here's the truth. He died on the cross not for the process. He died on the, on the cross for the product. But because we were lost, broken, and set apart because of sin, we need this process. We need to become. It's important that we do this. So, so what, what this verse is basically saying is that, that Jesus did something by dying on the cross. Check this out. That's still being done. He said he completed a task that currently is still being completed. So what's happening in the process of sanctification is that we, are, we have been counted perfect because of Christ's perfection. And then we are who Hebrews chapter 10 is talking about. But here's, here's the crux of sanctification, this process that this is referring to. Here's, here's the most important part of this. The power by which you are being sanctified is faith in the knowledge that not you, but Jesus is the one that's going to complete it. What you need to understand about this process is that the most important piece hangs in the balance if you don't realize and understand that it's faith that fuels this process, not your will 
to change all the bad things about you. That's where we have to get to. See, I love what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, we have been justified through what? Works? Human effort. Right? No. It says, therefore, we've been justified through faith. We have peace. Yeah, that wasn't really a question, but thank you. I appreciate it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. What it's basically trying to illustrate is that the thing that's fueling you to be made more like Jesus isn't how hard you try to stop doing those bad things you're tempted to do. The thing that's fueling you to become more like Jesus is faith that he's going to be the one that completes it. See, the common misconception when it comes to this thought of sanctification is that sanctification is the result of salvation, right? I know I'm going a little deep here. It's okay. Stay with me. What what most people think is you are made like Jesus automatically from the moment that you say yes. It's the result of it. That's a misconception. Why? Because sanctification is not the result of salvation. It's the response. If you stop, At giving your life to Christ, you are going to miss the massive blessing of living in the freedom of Jesus. You have to realize that this process is being, I'll put it to you like this. I'll put it to you like this. Most people think, or or at least they behave as if they can work really, really, really hard. And if they work hard, don't do drugs, don't have sex before their marriage, and always come to church, that they'll achieve their salvation and they'll get it. I'll go to heaven. And the more bad stuff they do, the closer they get to hell. Right? It's almost like a battle, right? You're like, oh, well, if I do a little bit more good, and if I die when I'm a little bit more good than a little bit more bad, I'm going to go to heaven. But if I die and I've been doing a little bit more bad than a little bit more good, oh, the devil's going to be my bunk mate, right? <laughs> that's really what we, that's how we behave. And what that does is it creates a culture where Christians try to work for their salvation. Here's the problem. Jesus never called us to work for our salvation. He always called us to work from it. That sounds like semantics, right? Pastor Jared, what's the difference? How does that look any different? Let me tell you. When you work from an idea that you can actually achieve your salvation by doing good things, what that produces is pride and arrogance. You know what that's called? Religion. But when you sit back and understand that it's faith that's fueling this process, not only is it easier to refrain from temptation, you actually have freedom from it. See, As Christians, what we have to begin to believe and understand is that Christ is doing something in us that we can't do on our own. All we have to do do is believe and accept it and let this work happen. But it's it's also not this like out-of-body experience where you don't know what's happening. No, no, no. And we're about to jump back to, to Colossians. There is still a part of this that you are responsible for. The difference is your perspective. The difference is your perspective. So oftentimes, people that are so caught in sin that they start to, you know the people that, and I say the people, all of us have done this. You know when you yourself try to justify why you do the, the, the junk you do? You're like, you, you make secret, like, like personal excuses of why you tripped up and did that thing again? Well, I was stressed out. I love that one. I love when I say that to myself. 
I cussed her out because I was stressed out, okay? No, no, I'm not cussing nobody out. I'm just saying, okay? No, what I'm saying, I'm just being real. I'm saying, look, 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 listen. I'm saying so often we try to make excuses for our bad behavior, but what that's communicating is that we can manage it by just adding in good behavior. The Bible says that your righteousness is but filthy rags. Even when you try to do good, it's not good enough. But there is a part of sanctification that requires you being passionate about who God is and pursuing him. And when you do that, you'll see the fruits. Let's look back at Colossians chapter 3. Let's look back at what it says. It says, the first part says, Since you have been raised with Christ, do what? Set your heart on things where? Come on. I told you all to talk to me last time. You got to talk to me again. Set your heart on things where? Below. Above. Where Christ is. Everybody say, not today, Satan. Seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, do what? Set your mind on the same things. Not on earthly things. Thank you. You can put that down. So what he's saying is, look, you have to have an elevated perspective if you're going to actually complete this idea of sanctification. That's a massive word. Go home and tell your parents, those of y'all that still live at home, just impress your mom and dad if they're Christian. Be like, mom, I just talked about sanctification today. It's crazy. But if you're going to complete this process, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to set your mind on things above. See, sanctification requires a couple of things. Here it is. First one, higher thoughts. If you're going to complete this process of sanctification, what you're going to have to begin to do is elevate your thoughts. There's, uh, there's this blog that I follow that talks about like cognitive research and I don't know if anybody else is into that but like I'm really like interested and intrigued by like the things that your mind can do um I was watching this has nothing to do with my sermon I just think this is interesting I was watching this thing uh and I read about this thing where, where you can actually like rid your body of diseases by doing this breathing method and like this cold water treatment. It's really crazy. Um, and I was like, man, that's so interesting that the mind is able to like work like this. And there was this other thing that really caught me off guard. Um, there, there, there was this cognitive research done uh, by this company who was trying to help people uh, improve their eyesight like on their own. They, they were running tests and they, they were basically saying that people with bad eyesight, so people like me and all you out there wearing glasses in context, uh, they were basically saying you can improve your eyesight just by thinking you can. I was like, homeboy, I've had glasses since third grade. That's impossible. <laughs> like, I didn't get called four eyes for you to tell me I could have changed it just by thinking it. <laughs> but anyway, this research was done. Here's how the study was set up, right? Uh, so they had this like uh, flight simulator that basically like, that ran on hydraulics and it simulated what it was like to be in a, in a jet plane, right? And what they did was, and this was the reason why they did that is because most people, that be, most people believe that in order to be a pilot, you have to have great what? Vision. Like everybody knows that and believes that. If you want to be a pilot, you have to have killer vision, 2020, right? 
And so what they did was they, they created this cockpit and they, they made it hydraulics and they did two types of people. The first type of people, they dressed and made them look like Top Gun, okay? Like they had the whole gear, gave them aviators, like army issued. They put them in this, this, this army cockpit and they, they turned on the simulator and they just went at it and made it simulate actually being in a, in, a, in, a, in a plane and doing like basic maneuvers. Well, after they were done, still dressed up, aviators on, took the aviators off and they did an eye test in the fight simulator flight simulator. And guess what? They tested higher than the people the study had brought in and just sat them in the flight simulator and said, hey, take this test. So the massive difference was the first group, guess what? They made them think that this was real deal. You're a pilot. For 57 seconds, you're going to be a pilot. And they tested infinitely better than the people they just brought in in regular clothes and said, hey, well, first of all, I'm guessing they would be wondering why they were in this <laughs> flight simulator, but it was weird. Um, but what happened was the, the research showed that just by being put in a circumstance that feels like real life, it changes the physical makeup of people. See, sometimes I think in life, it's not that we don't have the ability or the spirit to become like Jesus. Oftentimes, oftentimes, I think that we underestimate our circumstances. And what we do is, what we do is, we let thoughts, TV shows, songs into our mind, and we don't take captive the power of thoughts because we don't understand how actually powerful our thoughts and our minds are. Paul realizes, he said, look, your minds are these powerful machines that can dictate the direction of your soul. If you don't take every single thought captive, you're gonna make a mistake. You have to realize, young people, that your mind, your heart, your mind, which are connected, that's the key. Why do we let garbage into our heart and expect purity to come out? Our thoughts are so important. Paul talks about it multiple times in the New Testament. He said, set your mind on things, of, set your heart on the things of above. If you're going to enter in this process of sanctification and do it the way God's called you to do it, you're going to have to realize and understand how powerful your thoughts truly are. Second thing you got to have, you got to have higher thoughts. Then you got to have lower standards. Baptist people, stay with me. I'm not going, okay, listen, don't leave me just yet. I love what it says in Corinthians chapter 3. It says this. It says, put to death. Put to death. That, that's serious language. Paul says, he, he doesn't say coddle your addictions. <laughs> he doesn't say slowly get rid of the things causing you harm. He doesn't say procrastinate and cut off that relationship that's only bringing death. He uses really difficult language here to communicate a really difficult point. He says, sin is a matter of life and death, so I have to make you understand that it is. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, but he doesn't start there. Here's where he goes. He says, also, rid yourself of anger, Rage, malice, gossip, or slander, filthy language. He's saying, look, put to death that garbage now. 
The Bible uses language such as this, put to death. It talks about like, like you are dead to sin if you're alive in Christ. Like It makes it clear that what Jesus did on the cross was that he defeated death, he defeated sin, he defeated fear. You don't have to deal with it anymore. In Christ, there is freedom. And he makes sure that that language is very, very clear. He says, I died so that stuff dies with me. Has no power anymore. So I, I just have a quick question. Why in the world do we tolerate what Jesus came to eliminate? Why, why, do, we, why do we tolerate sin when Jesus came to put it to death? See, my question tonight as we talk about sanctification is, why in the world did Christ give us the power to put sin to death, but we settle for putting it to sleep for a few months. That's just real deal. And some of you guys are sitting in there going, Pastor, I'm just convicted tonight. I'm sleeping with my boyfriend and it, this hurts. I'm sleeping with my girlfriend and we don't know how to stop. It's difficult. I only go to a party here and there and I don't drink all the time, but sometimes I go overboard and it's crazy. I know what you're talking about. I feel convicted, Pastor. I still watch that stuff on my phone, Pastor. I, I know. I'm still dealing with some things. I'm still hurting. I'm not trying to convict you. Listen to me. We walk into church and we feel convicted enough. The eyes from the church laid on the third row. I don't know why she always sits on the third row. Those are enough to convict us, okay? Like, why, why is it the third row? She'd be like, she knows. Her spirit told her. I'm not here to do that. That's so antiquated. I'm not here to tell you you're going to hell or you're bad or tonight is... A, look, look. Sin is serious, but I have a feeling you understand that. You know and understand what comes from it. Tonight, I'm saying understand that you are being offered the full measure of grace. Tonight doesn't have to look like yesterday. You can finally walk in freedom. Tonight can be your opportunity. All you have to do is say yes. It's free. This is not an emotional pool. I'm saying, yo, if you want to stop hurting, it's for you. It's just the gospel becoming like Jesus. It looks like this, having higher thoughts and lower standards. We got to lower what we're willing to tolerate. It's got to be basically zero. There ain't nothing I'm willing to tolerate. We've got to lower the standard on the stuff we let creep into our life for the sake of art or good beats. Like, like, I, I, I'm like this. Any, I, I say this all the time, especially when it comes to rap music. I like it because the beat's good. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't really listen to the lyrics. Lies. You know how it switches your brain when you listen and, and consume stuff that just rocks you? I wonder if we like get to heaven and God's like, hey, why didn't you grow in your walk with Jesus? God, it was the beats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The beat was too good. Look, we've got to lower the standard on what we're willing to allow. 
I'm going to say it again. Why do we tolerate what Jesus came to eliminate? Why do we let sin sit on us so long when it doesn't have power anymore because Jesus came to eliminate it? Why do we let that stuff creep up on us when God gave us the power tonight to end it all and say, I'm done with you. I'm done with sin, whatever addiction is. Somebody knows I'm preaching. I know that some people in this place need to be set free. Here's your chance. Showing, like, tonight's the night. And here's the unsettling truth. I know for a fact there's multiple people that are going to make decisions to walk away from their old lifestyle tonight. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. But to those people that are going to make opportunities here in a second, going to make decisions here in a second, know that that's just your first Yes. I feel like as pastors, we need to make sure you're not disillusioned as you enter into this life with Jesus. Yes, you're going to make a decision to follow Jesus. It'll be the best decision of your life. You'll finally be free from all that garbage. But guess what? You're going to have to keep choosing them every day. I'm not going to make this easy for you. Living for Jesus is not easy. You want easy, go get a communications degree. I'm just kidding. I just want to say, okay, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But on the real, get a business degree because everybody knows they don't do their homework. Okay, like, yo, walking with Jesus is not, it's not simple. It's complex. It's difficult. It requires thought. But it's real. It's authentic and it matters. Like your life can look like what we're reading about. I know because I live it. You can say no to this junk and say yes to Christ.